Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must also love one another. Thanks for tuning in to the Putnam City Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you wherever you might be. If you'd like to learn more about PCBC, visit us online at pcbc.tv. Love one another. Pastor Bill started a series last week entitled The 11th Commandment and reminded us that we are challenged to love one another. This comes straight from the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verse 34. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must also love one another. These are the words of the Lord Jesus, and they summarize the Ten Commandments, specifically Commandments 5 through 10. If we go back and look at the original tablets, if you will, that the Lord gave Moses, the first four of the Ten Commandments deal with our relationship with God. And the next six commandments, Commandment 5 through Commandment 10, deal with our relationship with one another. And Jesus clarifies in the New Testament with an 11th commandment that really summarizes commandment 5 through commandment 10. And he does it in a way, as Pastor Bill pointed out last week, that's not in the negative in the sense that we go back and read commandment 5 through commandment 10 and it says, thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. Well, Jesus summarizes these commandments and one single command that has been called the 11th commandment. A new command I give you, love one another. It's not an easy command. And if we would be honest with one another, there are times that it is a very difficult command in that we would love one another. Because the Apostle Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 13 that love is not simply an emotion. Although it can involve emotions, love is an action. Love has shoes on, as one pastor said. And it's not always easy to love. One pastor writing about this idea of loving one another wrote... To live with saints above, referring to when we get to heaven. He said, to live with saints above, this will be glory. But to dwell below here on earth with saints we know, now this is another story. The pastor certainly hit the nail on the head with that little saying, because relationships are not always easy. Friendships can sometimes be messy, even relationships within the body of Christ. As a matter of fact, I ran across this this past week of silly things that people in the church actually argue over. Instead of demonstrating love to one another, church folk actually bicker back and forth and sometimes even fight, not just with their words, Sometimes it goes beyond. Listen to this. One church, a board met and had a literal argument over the appropriate length of the worship pastor's beard. 
Some thought it should not go past 1.5 inches. Others thought this to be ridiculous. So a verbal fight broke out. There was another church that had a board that met on whether or not to build a children's playground or to use that land for a cemetery. And the discussions heated up in such a way that people's feelings were hurt. <laughs> Here's another one I'm sure that would never happen here at Putnam City Baptist Church. But it seems that a, de a group of deacons were meeting and one deacon accused another deacon of sending an anonymous letter and decided to settle the matter in the parking lot. So words were not enough to settle the matter among these deacons. They had to take it into the parking lot. Now, I could go on and on because the article actually listed 24 different disputes that took place in churches among people who say they love Jesus and are called to live according to the 11th commandment. Understanding that love is a verb, we must ask the question, what does it look like to love one another? Pastor Bill said over the next weeks, we'll be looking at other one another passages. And each of these one another passages in the New Testament help explain what it looks like to love one another. Each of these help explain what it looks like to see love in action. This week, we're going to be looking in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, at a one another the Apostle Paul gives us. But he gives it to us sandwiched in a very short passage. So we're actually going to read verses 29 through 32. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 29 through 32. And learn what it looks like to love one another. Here's how it reads, beginning in verse 29. Paul writes, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Pray with me, if you would, before we unpack these few verses together. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word, the power that's in it. In the Holy Spirit in whom you've given us to teach your word. Father, I pray that your spirit would have full reign today in my heart, in the heart of all of those listening. To accomplish your purpose and your will in our lives. That when we finish this time together, we might put into practice what we learn and truly love one another. In Jesus' name, amen. There are four things in this passage that help us understand how we can love one another. The first thing we see the Apostle Paul tells us is that we are to encourage others. 
We are to encourage others. Look with me again in verse 29. Paul says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Paul says that we need to speak in a way that would encourage people and not discourage people. Paul tells the church in Ephesus, and so the Bible would say to you and me today, that if we are going to love one another, we need to learn to speak in a way that would build people up and not beat people down. I heard a story this past week about a grandfather. He lived in the home of his adult son, his son's wife, and his grandchildren, his son and daughter-in-law's children. And this grandpa struggled with hearing so much so that many times conversations would take place that he simply would not be a part of, not because he didn't want to be a part of these conversations, simply because he could not hear. Much was said that he would miss. His son, his daughter-in-law, and his grandchildren would regularly say, Paul, Paul, you need to get hearing aids. Go to the doctor. He did not like going to the doctor. After some time, unbeknownst to the family, the grandfather goes to the doctor. The doctor shares with him some very, that there are some very small, invisible to others implants that can be placed inside of his ears that would give him hearing even better than he had when he was a young child. The grandfather agreed to try this out. They got him sized up. They got the frequency set. And then he made his way home. Again, unbeknownst to the family. A couple of weeks would go by. The grandfather would make his way back to the doctor's office. And the doctor would ask him how things were going. And he said, you are right. I'm hearing very well. He says, as far as I can remember... My memory is not as great as it used to be, but as far as I can remember, I can hear better today than I heard even when I was a child. And the doctor would check all of the frequencies and these other things that would indicate that the doctor would concur with what the grandfather would be saying. So the doctor then said to the grandfather, I guess your family must be excited that you can hear all of the conversations that are taking place in the home. And to that, the grandfather replied, My family does not know that I can hear yet. As a matter of fact, I've heard so much that they don't know that I have changed my will three times. The grandfather changed the will three times because of the negativity that he heard even in his home. The Apostle Paul, as he leads into our one another this week, teaching us how to love one another, says, if we are going to demonstrate love to one another, we must first learn to speak encouraging words. Surely you remember the statement that we all learned as kids, sticks and stones, may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. 
I'm not sure as to the origin of that statement, but I do know that it is a lie from the pit of hell. Words hurt. Words can be destructive. They can be discouraging. So much so that in the book of Proverbs, Solomon wrote in chapter 18, verse 21, the tongue has the power of life and death. I remember growing up in a very small town. And the middle school in that town would have a sign where it could change the letters. And I remember vividly as a young teenager riding by on the way to school one day and seeing these words. Words are like bombs. Be careful how you drop them. Words can literally destroy a person's spirit. Our tongue can be so powerful that the brother of our Lord Jesus writes the book of James. And in that five-chapter book, he dedicates almost an entire chapter, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. And there are only 18 verses in the chapter. He dedicates 12 of those verses, almost an entire chapter, and just a five-chapter book to controlling the tongue. Friends, if we're going to love one another, encourage others. Second thing. The Apostle Paul shows us in this passage, if we're going to love one another, we need to engage the Holy Spirit. We need to engage the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 30. The Apostle Paul writes, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So first Paul says, if we're going to love one another, we need to encourage one another. Then he says, we need to engage the Holy Spirit. In the text, it literally says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God in whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Paul is reminding the church at Ephesus something that he wrote in chapter 1. In chapter 1, Paul writes in verse 13, and you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, Whom you believed you were sealed in him with the promised Holy Spirit. So here's what Paul is saying to the church at Ephesus. He says, when you heard the gospel, which he clearly explains in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 2 through 5. He clearly explains that the gospel is when Jesus, the Son of God, who is God the Son, leaves heaven and comes to earth lives a perfect life, tempted in every way, yet without sin, dies a sacrificial death. Jesus dies on the cross, not because he deserved death, but because we deserved death. He was buried in a grave, then he was raised from the grave, declaring that all that was necessary for our sins to be forgiven was done in his death, burial, and resurrection. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Friends, Paul is stating in Ephesians 1 that when we believe on this Jesus and the work he did for us, at that moment we receive the Holy Spirit of God as a seal guaranteeing the hope that we have in him. Paul also says in the passage at hand today in Ephesians 4.30, knowing that the Holy Spirit has taken up royal residence in our life, we're not to grieve him to keep him from working in our life. Instead, we're to engage the Holy Spirit. How do we do this? Friend, we do this by daily yielding to the Holy Spirit. 
by surrendering our will to God's will in our life so that the Holy Spirit can help us live as we were designed to live in loving one another. If you watched the Ask the Doc episode a few weeks ago, I shared four elements of prayer. Our prayer life should consist of adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And as I shared that, I talked about confession daily and sometimes throughout the day. There should be moments where we confess things in our life to the Lord that we know that we've done that aren't right. Or maybe we failed to do. And maybe even a moment of confession where we say, Lord, if I've done something or not done something that I wasn't supposed to do or that you desire for me to do and I missed it, please forgive me. And at that moment, as we cleanse ourselves before the Lord, we need to say, God, please allow your Holy Spirit to work in and through my life. Then we are engaging the Holy Spirit so he can help us produce what Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5 is the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to give you this to do later on after. Go to Galatians chapter 5 and read verses 16 through 21. In that passage, Paul talks about the fruit of the flesh, and then he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And when we engage the Holy Spirit, we confess before the Lord that we're sinners in our own sin, and we yield to the Holy Spirit, asking Him to work in our life. We engage Him into our life. Then He produces within us the fruit of the Spirit, and the first is love. Then there's joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. When we do these things, we begin to love one another as God has called us to do. We need to encourage each other. We need to engage the Holy Spirit. And the third thing we need to do is empty the trash. We need to empty the trash. And you say, what do you mean, Sean, by empty the trash? Look with me again back in the text in verse 31. Ephesians 4, verse 31. Paul writes, Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Friends, if we are going to truly love one another, we cannot come from a place of bitterness. We cannot come from a place of rage or anger or brawling or slander or any form of malice. Now the Apostle Paul was not writing in the current climate that we're writing in. Actually, if you study the book of Ephesians, it's the one letter that Paul wrote where he's not really dealing with any specific sin that was taking place in a local church. Rather, if you understand the book of Ephesians from front to finish, contextually speaking, he was writing to a church that had started off pretty good, and he was saying, great job, here's what you want to consider as you continue to grow in your relationship with Christ. And in writing this, he says, encourage one another. He says, engage the Holy Spirit. And then he says, make sure that you empty the trash. 
Because when trash exists, it's impossible to engage the Holy Spirit. And love cannot be produced from a place where there's trash in our life. Trash, i.e., verse 30, bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, and every form of malice. One of the greatest social justice speakers of all times, a fighter of civil rights, was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And once he said this, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do this. Friends, please understand this. If we are going to win this war that's going on within society today, where anger and rage and malice is separating people, it will only be won if it comes from a place of love. Years ago, Tina Turner, she wrote a song and entitled it, What's Love Got to Do With It? I'm convinced, as God's Word speaks to us today, even in our current climate, His Word would say love has everything to do with it. I know there's a cry that conversations would be heard. And I do believe that we need to sit and we need to listen to each other. We especially need to listen to those that are not like us, exactly like us. We need to listen to those that don't sound like us, that maybe didn't grow up in a home like ours. And we need to be empathetic as we each other speak. But in no way will anyone find victory if we speak from a place fueled by bitterness, a place fueled by rage or anger or brawling or slander or any form of malice. The Word of God tells us to empty ourselves of such things. When we do this, we are ready for our next one another that will help us truly love one another. What is it? It is our fourth and final thing that we find in this passage. We need to extend forgiveness. Encourage others. Engage the Holy Spirit. Empty the trash and extend forgiveness. Look in verse 32. Paul writes, be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgives you. Now I know forgiveness is not always easy, but it is simple. It's so simple that one pastor a long time ago once said, when we're holding on to something that might cause bitterness, that could come from a place of anger, that could cause slander or rage, he says when we're holding on to this, we need to let go and let God. And I know that is not always easy, but it is always right. As a matter of fact, I know it's not easy, and I heard this illustrated in a story. Evidently, there was this guy some years ago. He was hiking and fell down the side of a mountain, like off of a little cliff. 
And as he was falling off of the cliff in desperation, he reached out and he grabbed a hold of a thin tree that was growing out of the side of the mountain. And when he grabbed a hold of that tree, it stopped him from falling to his death. But 15 to 20 feet down, knowing that he could not scale the side of a mountain, he began to yell up to the top where he had fallen off, Help! Help! Somebody up there, please help me! And he waited and heard no one. And finally, in desperation, he cried out a prayer and said, God, if you're listening, please help me! And all of a sudden, in a very holy voice, he heard these words, Let go. The man holding on to the tree then shouted once again, Is there anybody else up there? <laughs> you know, when I heard that story, I had to laugh because I've been there before. No, not on the side of a mountain. But I have been in a moment where I've needed to forgive someone. I needed to let go and let God have his will and have his way. But I did not want to. So I would cry out, does anybody else have better advice? Listen, please. Based on the authority of God's word, not my opinion, although I do believe it's true. Based on the authority of God's word, there is no other way. If we want peace in our own life and within our relationships, we must begin extending forgiveness. And it's not always easy, but it is always right. Some years ago, there was a lady in our church who came to Bonnie and I after a sermon that I had preached on the need to forgive others. And she shared a very difficult story. I won't be too specific. It happened years ago in a whole other place, so no one would be able to guess, but I'll still not be too specific for the sensitive nature of the story. This young lady was a preteen, and she had an older teenage brother. Late at night, one night, the brother entered into a room and explained how big brothers and little sisters were supposed to have a special relationship. And for the next few years, until she was old enough to understand what was going on, she had been taken advantage of. When she finally learned of what was really happening, she told her brother, if you ever set foot in my room again, I will tell mom and dad. And then she would grow up into a young adult and get married and experience a lot of pain in her relationships because she lived with something that hurt deep inside. And bitterness and anger and malice and rage had been burning within. Until one day she heard a message like this and she realized the only way that she would find peace would be to forgive her brother just as God had forgiven her in Christ. So as an adult, she called her older adult brother and she said, long ago, you remember what you did to me. I forgive you. Her brother did not ask for forgiveness. She wasn't even sure if her brother really wanted forgiveness, but she knew 
that for her to be right with God and experience the peace that she longed for in her relationship with God and her relationship with others, that she didn't need to be right. She needed to forgive so she could make things right. Friend, this isn't easy to do, but countless numbers of people have learned the secret to knowing peace and loving one another, and that is forgiving others. This was a story I read about this week. There was a gentleman who worked late hours at a fire department, and on his way home after a long shift, he fell asleep at the wheel, and falling asleep at the wheel, he went into another lane and hit another car head on. In the collision, the lady died instantly, and so did her unborn baby. It just so happened that this lady was married to a pastor of a church. And when it came time for the prosecution to move forward with charges of involuntary manslaughter on this fireman, the pastor went to the prosecutor and pleaded the case of the fireman and asked that they would allow his hearing to be dismissed and the man to walk free. With one condition. That the man would have coffee with the pastor. The prosecutor agreed and all charges were dropped. Never to be brought up again. So the pastor and the fireman met for coffee. And conversation. And then a week later they met for coffee. And conversation. And months later they continued meeting week after week. Until years later they continued meeting until this fireman would be born again, surrender his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And this husband would walk in peace even in the loss of his wife and an unborn child because he knew that the answer was not anger, rage, malice, slander, or anything of such. But the answer for true peace was forgiveness. Someone asked the pastor, how in the world could you forgive a man whether it was on purpose or by accident that took the life of your wife and your unborn child. And this was his response. I knew it was my only alternative because the Lord Jesus once said, you are to forgive as you have been forgiven. Friends, I can't imagine what you've gone through. I know some of you are hurting even right now. And I cannot begin to comprehend what you're experiencing or what you've experienced. No one knows your journey but you and the Lord Jesus. And he can identify with you right where you are. And just as he said when he was hanging on the cross to all of those that wrongly accused him hurled insults at him and requested that his life be taken away from him. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I would encourage you, if you want peace, to learn to love one another and extend forgiveness even to those that have hurt you in a powerful way. These are not my words. These are the words of the Apostle Paul. Encourage one another. 
engage the Holy Spirit, empty the trash, and extend forgiveness. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time today, for loving us more than we deserve, for being better to us than we could hope or imagine. Thank you for extending forgiveness to us even though we did absolutely nothing to earn it. I'm reminded of Romans 5 at the moment, even as we pray, where you demonstrated your love for us even though while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. May we extend that same forgiveness to others. Lord, as we pray, I ask you to be with two groups of people. Number one, Father, if there's anyone listening that's never received forgiveness, I pray at this moment they would surrender their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. And friend, if you're listening, please, Jesus lived the life that you couldn't live. He died the death that you deserved. And he was raised from the dead so that you could receive forgiveness. If you believe this to be true, tell God that even now. The silence of your own heart or say it out loud. Just say, God, please forgive me. I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to be born again. I receive forgiveness. If that's you, please let us know. Father, for the second group of people, those that need to extend forgiveness, I pray that you would work in their heart even now. And friends, with heads bowed and eyes closed, please listen. If you're hurting, there's bitterness there, there's anger there, there's resentment, there's slander, there's any form of malice, I ask you, I plead with you, based on the authority of God's Word, let it go today. And let God have His will and His way in your life. Tell Him now. Say, God, please... Help me to forgive. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, friend, I encourage you to go and forgive. Thank you, God, for the work that you've done and the work that you will do. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we leave, I want to say one more thing. Friend, today, if you realize you needed to forgive someone in counseling others over the past Almost three decades, I have had some that say, the person that I need to forgive is no longer alive today. Friend, you can still forgive them. I'll tell you, as counselors tell people on a regular basis, write that person a letter. Get it off your chest. Write that person a letter saying what you would said if you were able to sit across from them. And then burn that person as a symbol that you are letting go and that you are letting God, and with God's help, you move forward. Let us love one another. Whatever you do, as we dismiss today, remember that God loves you, and so do we. Have a great week. Thank you for spending time with our church family. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, visit us online at pcbc.tv. There you can also contact us and find out how to connect with us through social media channels. And visit pcbc.tv slash podcast to listen to additional messages from Putnam City Baptist Church.